praise team. So good to have them here this morning leading us in worship. If you take your Bibles, turn to um, three different passages this morning. I know that's kind of hard sometimes to do that, but we're going to be in Exodus chapter 12. We're going to be in Luke 22 and then 1 Corinthians 11. If you can somehow work your fingers to be in those three different areas within Scripture, that would be very helpful this morning for us as we study. Most of you know that we've been going through the book of Second Peter. Pastor Dave has preached all the way through that uh, expositionally, and we've gone through just about every single verse. And uh, he just finished that up last week. And this week he asked specifically if I would tackle the subject of communion, the Lord's Supper. Some of you may have heard it as the Eucharist, whatever that name is that you've heard growing up. But I want to uh, get into that this morning and talk about communion, the Lord's Supper. I'm excited in the weeks to come. Uh, Pastor Dave is going to be studying the book of Daniel. How many of you like the book of Daniel? It's one of my favorite books of the Old Testament, the story of Daniel, the lion's den, the fiery furnace. So much in that book. You get into the latter chapters and you look at the the 70 weeks of Daniel, some huge ideas on prophecy. But uh, just look forward to that. Be in prayer. Also be in prayer for Eric Pardeen as he speaks next week as he shares with us his ministry that he has in Peru. Uh, This is going to be a very serious and somber service at some point, but before we get to that, I want to have a little bit of fun with you, and I also want to let the balcony know just right up front ahead of time that when we get to the part of communion, we are going to ask you guys to come down to the main floor uh, this morning, just so you know, and uh, we'll have uh, more ability to serve with the deacons that we have this morning all here down on the main floor. And so I just want to give you a heads up today. But as a student pastor here at the church, if you don't know me, my name is Pastor Tim. Pastor Dave is on vacation. I like to interact with the students as they teach them and then back with me. So if you can kind of do that with me this morning, if you would, raising your hand, talking back to me is fine as long as it's nothing bad. But anyway, um, if you would let me know, how many of you think you have a good memory? You have a fairly, fairly decent memory. How many of you say, Pastor Tim, my memory was gone a long time ago? <laughs> and how many of you say, you know, I, I had one, but it's, it's fleeting very, very quickly. Like, that's how I feel. Okay, that's, that's kind of me. For those of you that know me, I have some uh, issues with epilepsy. And ever since I've had that, I cannot recall scripture like I used to be able to. It's just for whatever reason, I have to study it more and think it through more. But as I got into this uh, study for this message this week, I thought about how the Lord commands us to remember his death. Right? There's nowhere in Scripture, and actually I tried to look for it, there's really nowhere in Scripture where it talks about that we need to remember his birth, although that's a great thing, and we do, and we need to, and we do that at Christmas time. But specifically, he tells us to remember his death. And I don't know about you, but in my own life, there's sometimes where I overlook a little bit of what he did for me on the cross. You know what I mean? Like sometimes we just get caught up in, into the busyness of life, and we come to church, and sometimes we just do things because we do things. And it's no longer becoming importance to me. But as I think about remembering things, I just want to have a little bit of fun with you real quick and maybe spark your memory by some, some pictures and some things that I had taken off my phone this week. And as I look through my phone, I have different pictures that come up and I think about, oh yeah, I remember what happened at that. And I, I was looking at this particular picture that was in my phone. And we actually didn't say much about Vacation Bible School, but there were some neat things that happened at Vacation Bible School this year. Matter of fact, there were seven children that came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, right? Isn't that a good thing? That's that's what it's all about. Um, By our standards, we didn't have the amount of children that we wished we would have had here. But you know what? That doesn't matter. What matters is that people came to know Christ as Lord and Savior. 
But in and through it all, there were some other pictures on my phone. I'm going to have a little fun at the expense of Pastor Dave and myself because we had to, each night we had to have a little drama and a little time of skit time with the kids before we would get into the, the gist of what each night was about. And so there was one night where we had to take pictures of ourselves with this little app called the CamWow app. And the idea was to show how we can change our physical appearance, but that God is never changing, right? He never lies. He's always the same. And upon that, the Bible is the greatest book out there, what was the theme of Vacation Bible School. And in that, his word is never changing. So this was a picture that we had to do. Um, this is Pastor Dave dressed in his climbing gear, and we're ready for talking about arctic theme type stuff. And we had to take a picture of ourselves, and it kind of changes the, the features of our face. You can see he's got quite large cheeks. I told him he looked a little bit like a, a, a chipmunk right there. And uh, he got laughing, and then so we had to go, and I, I did one of myself. And <laughs> of course, these weren't the actual pictures that we shared, the ones that we did ahead of time. We didn't think quick enough to have our gear on and take pictures that night and have them on the screen. So the ones we gave them, Pastor Dennis knows, but the ones we gave them, they showed at that night. Like I had warts all over our face. It was really gross. But anyway, we had fun with the kids. And when I looked at these pictures on my phone, it helped me remember we had a fun time. But the real truth of it was we saw seven people come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. That's what it's all about. So as each picture I show you as we get closer and closer to the seriousness of the Lord's Supper, there's a reason behind the pictures. There's a spiritual aspect to it. Now, how about this next one? Um, how many of you had a birthday last year? <laughs> That's a trick question. Good, Jenny. <laughs> Glad you caught that. Okay. All of you should have had a birthday last year, unless you're under nine months or so, which we probably don't have too many of that. Um, anyway, my point is this. Last year was my 40th birthday. My lovely, awesome, amazing wife did something special for me last year. On the same weekend, she took me to a Michigan Wolverines football game, and she took me to a Lions football game. And guess what? Both of them actually won. I know. Now, the Wolverines, they're getting a little better, but the Lions, that was a super treat. They, they came back and beat the Redskins in the last quarter. It was awesome. It was very, very good. But in that story of... of your birthday. Can you remember your last year's birthday? Did you have a good one? Was it, was it good? How many of you had one that wasn't very memorable? <laughs> a few of you. Okay. For me, when I think about this picture, happy birthday, it means something more to me than just remembering my birthday. Because on my fifth birthday is when my mom, she's sitting right back there, she led me to Christ right near my fifth birthday. I was born in 76, so you can imagine doing that. Five years later, I trusted Christ. So every time I have a birthday, I actually remember my spiritual birthday. So it's very, very special to me beyond just that picture of the happy birthday. How about this one? How many of you remember when you see the picture of two towers, what does it bring back to your mind, right? How many of you, if you're, if you're over the age of 20, you can probably remember exactly where you were that day, what you were doing. Can some of you, you know, be on the same page with me? Yeah, you know exactly what you were doing. I'll say from my heart, we had moved up to Grand Rapids in January of 2001, and I was working for a paint company here in Grand Rapids out of one of their Granville locations. And I remember I was out making a delivery of paint, and I was listening to one of the Christian radio stations here in town, and I just remember the, the DJ coming on saying that someone had hit one of the trade towers in, uh, in New York with a plane. And that's really all that they were saying. And they kind of acted like it was an accident because they didn't, they didn't know what was happening. And as I got back to the store, I can remember sitting down in the break area and all of the employees were just 
what is going on? No, no, no customers were coming to the store. And we sat down by this little TV and we watched that second plane go into the second building. Right? You remember that. But beyond that, I remember something very spiritual beginning to happen within our churches. You guys remember what I'm talking about? It was almost like our country began to come together and go, whoa, maybe, maybe, just maybe, we need to get our hearts right with the Lord. We need to be back in church. We need to make sure that we're praying for our country. It was obviously an act of terror, something awful that had happened. But in that, when I see that picture to this very day, I remember. But you know what I remember most about 9-11 is all of those, those firefighters that gave their life for all of them in those towers. And I look at Mr. Carley sitting here this morning, a fire lieutenant in our church, and think about what he does in the department that he serves here within Grand Rapids. But all of those, I looked at a picture this week of all of the, the gear of those men that gave their lives that were firefighters and was sitting on this huge concrete tarmac. And I just thought, wow, what an amazing thing to think through how they would give their lives for these people they had no idea, they didn't know them from Adam that were in this building, but they were just there to help because it was their job. That to me is amazing. How about this next one? Even on a deeper level, Memorial Day. For us, it was this past, uh, it was May, I believe it was, uh, what did I have down here? May 29th, this past May is when it was. And, and for me, Memorial Day is an important time. It's a time where we remember the freedoms that we have in this country, the liberties that we have. And I don't know about you, but I am so thankful to live in the United States of America. Amen. How many of you can concur with that? So yeah, that's, that's a blessing. Um, most of you have probably seen what's happening in Charleston. That's an unfortunate thing that's been taking place yesterday and into the day before. And some of those awful things that are happening with racism and bigotry and all those type of things. And we have our issues here in America, but I believe at the core of who we are, the core of who America is, we know that the Lord built this nation, that it's one nation under God, and that's why we're here in this country, and I'm so thankful for that. But this morning, I want us to remember the Last Supper. It's one of the most important things as a Christian in our walk with Christ is to remember what he did for us on a cross like that so many years ago, over 2,000 years ago. You know what's important about the cross and the Baptist and the Bible church and many, many other Protestant churches is that you don't see Jesus hanging on that cross anymore, right? Amen. Because he paid the price for our sins. He came down off that cross and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father even now, preparing a place for us. Amen. That's what's amazing about remembering the, the Last Supper. And I thought about this in when Pastor Dave asked me to talk about the Last Supper and communion. I thought, you know what? Sometimes we, we come to the Lord's table and we don't remember exactly why we're here. So that's what we're going to do is we're going to look at a little bit of scripture. We're going to answer about four questions because sometimes we may show up and do things at church. And, and uh, especially if you're a young person, a teenager, or you're new to, to have a relationship with Christ, you might go, hmm, why exactly do we do that? Or why do we do it that way? Or what's the significance behind that? And excuse me, I thought it would be very, very helpful, helpful for us to look at Scripture this morning and dig back and see what exactly the Last Supper is and what it means to us. And so these three portions of Scripture, we're going to dig into the text right now. So if you go to Exodus 12, have a finger in Luke 22, and then 1 Corinthians 11, we'll walk you through uh, the importance of the Last Supper. First off, just ask this question, what is communion? Well, it's a time in the church where we remember, we take part in the cup, 
and the bread, or the bread and the cup, I should say it in the right order. And uh, we remember what Christ did for us on the cross. But the second part of it is where we're going to spend the majority of our time this morning, and we'll answer three more questions. But why do we do it? Why do we partake in it? What's the significance of it? And I just love to think about the history of Scripture. And when we, we, we take this book, it's a whole story that comes together as one. And I think that's what we're going to see this morning when we look at Exodus 12 and then Luke 22 and 1 Corinthians 11. And so if you're in Exodus chapter 12, I want to just give you a little bit of back history here. And we'll start in Exodus 12 verse 11. But if you know anything about the children of, uh, of God, they had spent and been in, in slavery and been in bondage for over 400 years in Egypt. Their 400 plus years they had been in Egypt at this point when we come to Exodus chapter 12. And it says this, and this is the reminder of how the Lord institutes the Passover, or God does for his chosen people. And we'll read through this, and I think you'll see specifically in verse 14 where it talks about remembering or a memorial. But here we go, Exodus 12, verse 11. And thus you shall eat it, talking about the Passover, with a belt on your waist, and he's talking to the children of Israel, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. So both the, the male and the male beast, oldest, would be stricken down. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now behold, shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. Many of you are familiar with this, that they had to put blood over the doorposts, and that would, what would allow the death angel to pass He's explaining this. Now the blood shall be a sign for you in the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial, a remembrance. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. And verse 15, 16, 17 is important, but we'll read 15, 16 first. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. And verse 16, on the first day there shall be a holy convocation. And on the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation for you. No manner of work shall be done on them, but that which everyone must eat that only may be prepared for you. In verse 17, here it is again, observance. So you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on the same day I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. And therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance. Church, think about this. This is the night before God is going to deliver them to freedom as they begin their wandering in the desert for 40 years, right? And he is instituting something special, and it's what we see as the Feast of Unleavened Bread, or leading into what we also know as the Passover. And it's very, very important, the instructions that God gives to, to the children of Israel. But now I want you to go to uh, Luke chapter 22, and I want you to see the account of what Luke says and what he tells us. There's, there's four portions in Scripture where it talks about uh, the Lord's Supper. There's Matthew has an account of it, Mark. Luke and 1 Corinthians 11, but we're going to look specifically at Luke chapter 22, because when we come from Exodus 12, for 1,500 years, 
the children of Israel, the God's chosen people, would have celebrated this Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Passover. And they would have gotten ready for it each year, gone through the practices of what was shown to them in Exodus. But as we come to Luke chapter 22, this is where it gets very, very personal and kind of a, an application to us as Christians today. And I, I love the story because we see it begin to take place here in Luke 22 and verse 7. And it says this. It says, the, the day came of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. See, during the Passover, it was to kill a lamb. Take an animal was that sacrifice. And as you begin to see in this passage as we read, Jesus is now changing the Passover to the Lord's Supper because he is the Passover what? Lamb. lamb. He is the lamb. And this is, oh, this has just got to be amazing for us to read, although the disciples probably didn't know what he was talking about. But here we go. I'll read it again. Then came the day of the unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat. So they said to him, to Jesus, where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, and I, I love this. Jesus just kind of puts them on a wild goose chase. <laughs> but it's there just as he says. And he says, behold, when you've entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters, and then you shall say to the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And then he will show you a large furnished upper room, and there make it ready. And verse 13, so they went and they found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. Right then, I, I am a believer in Jesus, Okay. This guy just told me to find some random man that was carrying a pitcher of water, and he would have this room ready and furnished, and it's, it's there. As if they've not already seen some amazing things from Jesus, this happens. And remember, here's the significance. Just as when the Passover was set up, it was the night before they were to go into freedom from their bondage of slavery. This is the night before Jesus is to die on the cross. And we as all Christians for eternity are about to enjoy the freedom from sin for all eternity, right? That's the importance of it. But here we go. And when the hour had come, verse 14, he, meaning Jesus, sat down with the 12 apostles with him. And then he said to them with fervent desire, he's, he's expectant, he's ready for this. There's a point that he's trying to make in this story with fervent desire. I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And this is where this table becomes very, very important this morning. We begin to see it real to Jesus and the disciples and to us. And he models it for them. And then he took the cup in verse 17 and he gave thanks. He prayed. And he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. In um, verse 18, for I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When he made that statement, they must have thought, what is, what is Jesus talking about? This is my body that I give for you. What is Jesus talking about? This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of, of me. Um, verse 21, But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me, on the table, and he's talking about Judas. Truly the Son of Man goes that it has been determined, but woe to the man by whom he is betrayed. And then they began to question among themselves which of them it was and who would do this thing. 
And in uh, Matthew and Mark, we look at the same story, and at the very end of it, it doesn't give us all the details that Luke does here, but it says that they went off to the Mount of Olives. And what's significant about a Mount of Olives is that is where the Garden of Gethsemane is at. And you know what begins to happen in the Garden of Gethsemane. That is where Judas comes with the, the, basically the, the legion of men that are going to take Jesus away. And they begin to take him away. His life and their life is going to drastically change in the next 24 to 72 hours, right? They're now going to understand that Jesus is going to die. He is going to be that Passover lamb. He's going to be that sacrifice for them, just as he was trying to tell them and teach them. And that's what is important about communion, the Lord's table, and why we're here today, is that it is time for us to remember what Christ did for us on the cross. But then let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And this is the place where many times we come to and we read this story and we walk through uh, the Lord's table. But we don't maybe always understand what's going on in the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let me give you a little bit of history that Paul is the one that started the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and and the church as a whole. But in the first book uh, to the Corinthians... He's realizing that after his second missionary journey where he set up this church and he kind of went off and and has done his thing in other areas, they've lost focus of a lot of things. A lot of things. I know we have some youngsters in here, but I know all of you adults can handle this. But within the church at Corinth, there was actually a man it talks about that was sleeping with his stepmother. That's how bad it had gotten. They have lost focus on on divisions among themselves. There were different preachers and, and uh, leaders within the church on that day that they had come behind and said, no, I'm behind Paul. No, I'm behind Apollos. No, I'm of so-and-so. And they began to choose who they liked and who spoke better and all these different things. And then you learn that there's even divisions among them on a cultural level where there was the richer over here and the poor over here. And you're going to see in 1 Corinthians 11 that Paul begins to to talk about some of this stuff. But specifically, what we see this morning is that Paul knew that they were not taking the Lord's Supper seriously. It had become just a feast, an eating time for them, and some people were even getting drunk through it and not really understanding why they were there. And so let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 17. Now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you, and in part I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. He's talking about some of those things we just referred to. Verse 20, therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and the other is drunk. And he says, what? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have absolutely nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I cannot and I do not praise you, he says in verse 22. And this is where he begins to bring back to them the full remembrance. So he says, what I received from the Lord, that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And he's, he's beginning to remind them. I think of this as kind of like a little sit down with my grandpa, and he says, do you realize what you did, Sonny? Yeah, grandpa. You know you shouldn't do that again? Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to do it again? No. <laughs> this is kind of how Paul's talking to the church in Corinth. 
And he says this, and when he had given things, he broke it and said, Take ye, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I love that word right there. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And verse 27 through 34, Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. That's why so many times when we get ready for communion, we have a time of what's called introspection or examine your heart. We're going to do that today for some extended time. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of that cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. When I get to that portion of scripture, I think about King David. Do you remember Psalms 51, where, where the prophet Nathan has to come to him because he has not rightly gone before the Lord himself? And he gives a story to David, and David gets mad, and Nathan says, David, you are that man. You are that man. And David has to, to repent and go before the Lord. But in that scripture and in that portion of, of Psalms, we understand how we should come before the Lord as we get ready for communion today and the Lord's Supper. And that it talks about that we, we should come before the Lord with a pure and undefiled heart. Remember where David has to come to the Lord and he said, Lord, search me and know me. Lord, clean me up, make me new. That's why we've got to come this morning and get our hearts right with the Lord if we've not done so already. But when we were judged, we were chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. And therefore, my brethren, he's talking to them. When you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. And the rest I will set in order when I come. Paul's saying, listen, there's a lot of other things I've got to fix when I get there. I'll deal with those things when I get there. For now, have respect for the Lord's table. Do it with your whole heart. Second question this morning, what are we remembering in this time here this morning. Well, it's plain and simple, is that Christ is giving of his life for all mankind. I'm telling you, if you've ever seen the Passion of the Christ movie, that brings me to tears every single time to understand what Christ did for us on the cross. His body beaten, his blood shed, just the embarrassment that he went through, being teased as the king of the Jews, and if that's not bad enough when he gets on the cross and the one to his side talking trash, so to speak, to him, right? But a beautiful thing is the other one that says, this has got to be the Son of God. He realizes in his heart, you know, he gets to that point where, Father, I, I understand who you are, kind of a so-to-speak statement. I know I'm kind of talking through Scripture there, but bear with me. But, and Jesus says, today, you will be with me in what? paradise. Oh, I just, I love the picture of what Christ has done for us. I want to talk about something very quickly, and I hope this isn't going to go too deep for you this morning, but when we go through our new members class, we get questions a lot of times about communion and what does it mean, and so sometimes we'll have a question come up, well, what is significant about the elements when we take of the, of the bread and of the cup? And one time I was teaching one of the class with one of our, our pastors that was here before, and someone brought up to me and, and, and to Pastor Jared it was and said, hey, do you guys believe in transubstantiation? And I said, 
I remember what that word is from Bible college, but I can't really recall it. <laughs> so we had to go and look it up and remember, oh yeah, that's what that means. And I'll just walk through you for just a second. So just stick with me. I know this is a little bit deep, but I want to help you understand what we're dealing with this morning. When we talk about the idea or the teaching of transubstantiation, that's what um, Roman Catholicism teaches that a lot. And the fact of when it's given out, the, the elements are given out by the priest or whoever's serving that, that in, in respect of that being done, that as you take of the bread and of the cup, that it actually becomes the body of Christ. And we do not believe that here at Heritage as a Baptist church or Bible church. And many of you may have heard that growing up, but uh, we see it a little different way. We do not believe that way. There's also one called consubstantiation, which is a lot of what my dad grew up as a Lutheran. They believe a little bit that way, which is not quite as strong as substantiation. A third one is the spiritual presence uh, view, and that is that as we take of the Lord's Supper, that somehow there is some special measure of grace that is being given out to us as we're taking that, which I understand how they may be able to see that from Scripture. But here's where we stand today at our church and what we believe, and we believe it straight from Scripture, is that we believe it's simply a memorial view. It's re a remembrance of what Christ did for us on the cross. So as we take of that bread and of that cup, which is, is grape juice here at our church, and it's a little wafer or cracker, we're remembering what Christ did for us on the cross. We're not actually eating the body and blood of Jesus Christ, but we are remembering what he did for us on the cross. That's the importance of it. Here's a third question, and I think this is very, very important today. How do I prepare for communion? Well, if you look at the text, if you look right at scripture in verses 27 and 28, let's read it again. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy Manner. When I look that up in the Greek, it's a single word, and it means irreverently. If you come to it with an irreverent heart, you're not in reverence about it, you'll be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. In verse 28, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. I want to remind you of something this morning, because as a, as a child growing up, I watched my father, who's sitting back there, walk us through communion. I can't tell you how many times. And I know my dad did a great job of preaching this text, but in my own heart, I almost felt like sometimes I couldn't come to the Lord's table unless I was perfect. Have any of you ever felt like that before? Just be honest with me, a few of you, right? Well, you know what? Here is the key to communion today and when we think about it. None of us will ever come to the Lord's table perfect, right? So what he wants, he's not, he's not looking for who we are. He's looking for where our heart is this morning. He's not looking for who we are. He's looking for where our heart is this morning. And that's the most important thing. One of the other very important things is that we have a relationship with Christ, that we know him as our Lord and Savior. That's very, very, very important. A heart that's broken over sin, not coming in an unworthy manner, and a heart that is right with those around us. One time when I was at Bible college, and uh, we were walking through communion. Our campus pastor reminded us of that and said, hey, students, if there's someone within this room today that your heart is not right with, maybe you've done something to them, they've done something that, to you, you've not forgiven them, you're in a, a wrong relationship, there's something, something dividing you, I'd encourage you to go to that person and fix it. And there was something on my heart that I prayed about that day, and I still partook of communion, but I went to that person afterwards and made it right with them said, hey, I did this the other day. Would you please forgive me of that? I want you to know that I'm, I'm very sorry for that. Here's the last one this morning. Why is remembering 
the Lord's death significant for me as a Christian? Why is it significant for me as a Christian? Or as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, verse 26, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You know what that means to me is that I've got a job to do. You've got a job to do. We all have a job to do. And that is when we take of this, if there is anyone here today that does not know Christ, it is a proclamation to them and to the world around us, though they may not see us doing this, that we love the Lord Jesus Christ with our whole heart, that we realize that he died on the cross for our sins, and that we're remembering what he did for us in a very, very special way with a reverent, a reverent heart. Here's a few things I just remind you at the end before we get ready to partake. I think it's important to, to think about this. And again, I remember, Dad, you saying this through the years, that there's four, four things that I take away as we remember the Lord's table and as a Christian. We look back at his arrival, Christmas time that we celebrate. We look forward to his second arrival, the second coming of Christ when he comes back. We look inward, a self-examination, and we look outward. Is there some things that we need to fix with those around us? And how can we be proclaiming who Jesus Christ is? And this morning, we're going to get to a point right now where we become very serious and uh, just inwardly looking at our hearts. And again, I'm going to ask all of our, our balcony uh, attendees, if you would come down and work your way. There's a big section here that's open right up front. I know probably don't you don't want to sit right up front, but that's okay. Um, please do that if you would. I'm going to ask our deacons to come forward and to sit in the front chairs. Also, Pastor Dennis is going to come, and he's going to help this morning as we distribute the elements. But I'd ask you to do something very, very special um, at this point. And, and listen, I know in American culture, silence is awkward. Right? Silence is a bit awkward. As a youth pastor, if there's not music playing down in the end zone when the kids are coming in, I'm on my sound guys all the time. Guys, put some music on. Put some music on. Because I don't want dead time. But I think this morning, very, very specifically, we're going to have some quiet time. And it may seem awkward for you, and that's why we're letting everybody come down the stairs so you're not hearing that in the background. But I would specifically ask you to spend some time before the Lord. I know this might even be a little bit out there to say this, but you have a, a nice padded chair that you're sitting in. If you want to get on the ground before that, put your knees down and, and pray, I'd encourage you to do that. Um, if you want to sit together as a family and you, you want to pray about some things and whatever it might be, I'd encourage you to do that too. We've done this many times in the past. I don't know if some of you even remember, maybe deacons might remember this, but there were times where we set up tables in the auditorium and we had each deacon go to their specific table that they would manage with the elements there. And then the groups, if you were in uh, Mr. Peake's deacon care group, you would go to his table and he and his wife Evelyn would, would pass out the elements. And it was just a very, very special time to think about what Christ has done for, for us and what he did for us. So this morning, uh, literally I'm going to go probably about two or three minutes of just quietness. There's things that I want to pray about this morning as we get into this time of remembering what Christ did for us. But if you can, you can find a seat, folks, please do that. And uh, we will have it quiet for about two to three minutes. So please take this time right now, as Scripture says, but let a man examine himself. Look within your heart and see, are there some things that I need to go before the Lord about? Maybe I have come to the Lord's Supper before with an irreverent heart. I've not placed the importance on it that there should be. And then we'll begin to distribute the elements and and go through the bread and through the cup. 
And then we'll have also a benevolent offering at the end of this time this morning. Pastor Dennis will close us in prayer at the end. And I'll be out at the Welcome Center. I'd love to meet those of you that are visitors here today and uh, find out how you came to know about our church. But let's do this right now. Let's take the next two to three minutes. And I'm, I'm specifically looking at the clock and stay to it. And you just, introspection, look inside your heart, examine yourself at this moment.